So pleasant morning, Kingdom Life Church, Bahamas. Oh, this is amazing. I just want to especially thank you for this wonderful opportunity this morning to share God's word and and just for the support uh, from this church. I, we, the Campbells, we really appreciate it this morning. Thank you. All right. So for those who have been looking in your bulletins this morning, um, you, you may be there right now, but if not, would you just turn to Matthew 9, starting in verse 35, ending in verse 38? It, it's just four verses we'll be looking on this morning for the main text. Are we there? I'll read. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You know, as I prayed and reflected on Matthew 9, you know, verse 35 through to 38, which we just read, I felt like the Lord gave me the topic, gaining a passion for missions. You know, these four verses really highlight Jesus' view and approach to missions. And I will, uh, this morning I want to put forward uh, a proposition this morning. And it goes, While all believers are commanded to do missions, they're also call to be passionate about missions. Let me repeat this. While all believers are commanded to do missions, they are also called to be passionate about missions. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your word. I thank you for this opportunity that we can gather together and just look to your word. This morning I pray, Lord, that I would speak as the very oracles of God. I pray, Lord, that what will be communicated this morning will not necessarily be what Shalom wants to communicate, but it will be what God wants to communicate. It will be what Jesus Christ wants to be communicated, what the Holy Spirit wants to communicate this morning. Lord, have your way. Have your way this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, Amen, Amen, Amen. You know, when I chose this topic two to three weeks ago, Tropical Storm Erica had not developed. There is no way I could have known that Erica's existence and activity, especially in Dominica, would have some bearing on what God was impressing <laughs> upon me to share today. In the first week of August, a team put together from YWAM 
Montego Bay, where my wife Sarah and I, as you heard, um, where we serve, comprising of Marion Jacob, who is our base director, and Kamisha, one of our past discipleship training um, school students, um, and other individuals not from Wyoming were invited to Dominica. This was three weeks ago, for two days. I want you to hear this. A sister from Dominica had felt that there was a disaster coming and that this team should come to pray, repent, and encourage persons to put their trust in Jesus Christ. As a result, three of them went and did just that. Well, we all have heard what has happened, the reports. Erica killed 20 persons. There are 20 persons confirmed, persons who were killed on the 28th. That was two Fridays ago. Now, I don't know what the real impact <laughs> of the team's visit three weeks ago to Dominica meant. Only God knows. However, this along with what I'm about to share with you today are reasons why we need to have increased passion for missions. With this in mind, first let me tell you one of the three errors which I will be addressing today. This is the matter of gospel mission. Okay. In gospel missions, we share the good news of Jesus Christ with unbelievers. Now, there are two main types of missions. And we know. You have foreign missions, you have local missions. In far with foreign missions, you would think of going outside of the Bahamas. And within local missions, you would think missions that you do within the Bahamas. Hopefully that's clear. Let me give you some idea of what local missions, what it entails. It includes having regular Bible study with friends, co-workers, neighbors. It may entail going to hospitals, schools, work in the workplace to share the gospel. Feeding the homeless. Personal and community evangelism and so forth. But you know the interesting thing is a lot of times when we think about missions we think about what we as a church do. I, w I want to give us a perspective here this morning. God is on a mission. Let me say that again. God is on a mission to redeem mankind and to advance his kingdom. Could we just look on Ephesians 1, 3 to 7 right now? We're starting in verse 3 and then in verse 7. You know, for... For those who affirm Reformed theology, this is actually a very popular passage. <laughs> you know, in Jamaica, where I'm from, this is, uh, it, it would be so novel to be sharing, sharing this passage this morning in some context. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, 
that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. To the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the beloved, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. You know, as as we look on this passage, it should be clear that God is a missionary. God is on a mission. And on this mission, he purchases us back. That's why we use the word redeem, redemption. He, he has paid the price. This morning, I, I, you know, I so love that, that word that God has impressed upon you because it just, it just gives us this great picture of, of what the lamb who was slain before the foundation of this world, this, this lamb, Jesus, who paid that price, that redemption. And God is on a mission to redeem mankind and to advance his kingdom. This is, this is glorious. But it does not end there. There's a part that we have to play. In Christian missions, we partner with God in missions. Could you just turn to Second Corinthians 5, 18 through 20? Are we there? Okay. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, when you hear the operative word us, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to who? Us, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Us, us, us. We partner with God in missions. This morning, I just I want to share a quote with you this morning. It's from David um, Bernard. Uh, and it says, Here am I, send me. And we know that's a popular passage in, in Isaiah. But, but let me continue to read this, this quote. I'll start over. Here am I, send me. Send me to the ends of the earth. Send me to the rough, the savage pagans of the wilderness. Send me from all that is called comfort on earth. Send me even to death itself. If it be but in thy service and to promote thy kingdom. You know, 
I, I don't know if you are, if many of you have studied church history and if you're aware of who David uh, Bernard is. Uh, you know, a revival took place because of this young man. He died very early. You know, he died at 29. He worked with the Indians in, you know, that Delaware, New Jersey area, that, that site. He had a very profitable ministry. If you, if, you, if you study church history and you hear about this young man, a matter of fact, Jonathan Edwards was the one who spoke at his funeral. And probably if he had lived long, longer, maybe his daughter, Jonathan Edwards' daughter, probably would have married him or something. But, but the interesting thing about this, this young man was it was someone who was very passionate, passionate about missions, passionate about seeing people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you, ha- you know, maybe you could uh, just read upon him. A- an amazing person who died so early at 29. But, let me, but let's just look back at what he's saying here. He's asking God to send him even to the wilderness, away from comfort, even to death itself. You know, they have his diary. And in his diary, there's so many accounts of, of him just praying outside. Uh, and, you know, this was someone who was very sickly, weak, frail. He had tuberculosis, right? And he would pray for hours upon hours outside because he felt that God would, would move through those prayers and touch these people. And God did that. A young man who was just on fire. So, so comfort wasn't what he was about. You know, in this time, comfort is very important for us. Comfort. But, but as this young man says, he says, send me from all that is called comfort on this earth. That's a challenge to us this morning, isn't it? When we think of all of the, the wonderful things. I mean, some of us, if we, if we were even to go on a missions trip and we probably don't have the internet, that's a serious challenge. So, you know, I mean, it, it's... Oh, boy. <laughs> but this morning, I, you know, this is a very popular uh, quote by John Piper. I, I just wanted to share with us again this morning. He says, mission exists because worship doesn't. If you really listen to that quote, you re- one of the things that comes to mind is the fact that worship is important. Because it says mission exists because worship doesn't. This morning, you know, the, the worship was, was, lo- was really, I really enjoyed worship this morning. And you know, as, as we think about missions this morning, we want other persons to be able to participate in worshiping God. Because he's good. Isn't he? He's good. When we think of what our triune God, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, has done for us, we can't help but to want to tell others about the true God who deserves worship. We can't. That is the reason why when, you know, 
we fulfill God's commandment to go. To make disciples, to baptize, to teach observance of Jesus' instructions as Matthew 28, um, 18 through to 20 teaches, right? But we do this out of love, out of recognizing what God has done for us. You know, the, the Bible says, he who has been what? Forgiven much, loved what? Much. Listen. Unfortunately, this morning, I won't be able to share my testimony with you. But listen, when I know where I came from, <laughs> Pastor Cedric has heard some of my stories. Listen, when I know where, where God has taken me from, I love him so much. I am so grateful to this God. Well, but let me continue. So therefore, God is the first missionary. And we as his disciples, followers, are by default, when you hear what I'm saying, missionaries as well. I know this morning some of you will be saying, but Sheldon, what are you saying? Am I a missionary? But I don't travel to distant lands like you and your wife. Let me give you a perspective. I believe this morning that missionaries work within the seventh sphere, or if you, or if you know it as this, the mountains of influence. I believe so. Arts and entertainment, business, education, family, government, media, religion. You know, just for information, some of you may wonder, where did you get this, this, this mountain of influence or fear or whatever? Well, L- um, Lauren Cunningham, who is the, the founder of YWAM, and Bill Bright, the f- um, he, he's, he's deceased, but he's the, the former, um, founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. They both had these seven areas as, as, as basically being the seven areas of influence. You can research it, but, but, what, but what I want you to, to think about this morning is you could be an artist and, and, that's, and you are doing God's work. You know, sometimes we think the only person who is a missionary is the pastor or the full-time missionary. That is not so. Wherever God has called you, wherever God has called you to be, that is your mission field. Let me say that again. Wherever God has called you to be, that is your mission field. Now that we have looked at gospel missions, let us consider my second point this morning, which is gospel passion. You know, Jesus had passion. You know, the first thing, when I think about Jesus' passion, I can't help but to look on this passage. And it says, Go, went. Let us look back on the passage in verse 35. And Jesus went. 
you know, this morning some of you may have said that, but that's simple. Just go in. Haven't the Lord spoken to us many times and said, do something? And what we do? We do not do it. We disobey. Sometimes God might say, go over and speak to someone. And he said, no. Because the fear of man somewhat crowded out the fear of God in that particular situation. But I want us to see something here. Jesus' passion for the lost compelled him to go. That is to move from his present location to go to another. He went. Simple. If Jesus, our King, our Master, our God, oh, my apologies. If Jesus, our King, Master, and God went, so should we. As Christians, we cannot be satisfied believing that because others are going out and sharing the love of Jesus Christ with unbelievers, that God is okay with us just being in church. That's deception. Ouch. I want to share another quote with you this morning. It's by John Keith Faulkner. He says, I have but one candle of life to burn. And I would rather burn it out in a land filled with darkness than in a land flooded with light. Wow. Today there are many, there are many missionaries. Many, many missionaries. But guess where they... Guess where they go to do missions? In the reached world. They don't go to unreached um, people groups. Because they're thinking about comfort, they're thinking about their lives. And, and I understand. Let me, move, let me move over this way. Okay. I understand. I mean, we don't run looking persecution. That would be crazy, wouldn't it be, right? But the thing is, we really need to have the proper perspective here this morning. You know, as, as I read that, that quote by David um, Bernard this morning, it, 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 it has a way to, to make us sober. So let us really think about the gospel. To think about even what, you know, what we are called to do. And, and the real purpose for while we're here, doesn't it? Yes? No, I would say this morning, and I want you to recognize what I'm trying to do this morning. I've been talking about foreign missions and local missions, right? And I'm telling you, I'm also saying that we, even in our own context, we have a mission field. So I'm, what I'm trying not to do this morning is to let everyone here, because my wife and I are full-time missionaries and we travel all over the world and do that type of stuff, that that's what I'm here talking about. Even though that is part of what I'm sharing, I want you to recognize, even if you're a banker this morning, that you have a mission field. I want to make that very clear. I'm hoping that this is very clear. Okay. Just praying for persons to be saved while it is clearly a God ordained activity. It cannot be 
enough for us to sit down into church and think, you know what? I'm praying that they will be successful on, on the mission field. There is something that we are required to do. We are required to go. So the first thing is, I sh- in Jesus' passion, Jesus' passion compelled him to go. So as you get a revelation of how good God is, and as we are his followers, what you think is likely? That we should go. No, the going might mean that, okay, instead of, instead of, and let's, let's not think of foreign missions just for this, for this illustration. It might mean that maybe that sister that God has been impressing upon your heart to share a word of encouragement to that you go to that sister. I want to let this be very simple this morning. Because sometimes we, we complicate these things. It may mean that maybe you normally evangelize at a particular place. You could try somewhere new. I, I, I just want to give us some, persp- some perspective. But Jesus' passion compelled him to go. The second thing. Jesus' passion made him not only go, but it inspired him to go throughout all the cities and villages. Amazing. Let us, let us look back on the passage here. Do you recognize it says cities and villages? When you think about cities, we know cities are usually large towns. They're, usually, they're bigger than villages, right? They tend to be more developed. In the cities, you would find the, the wealthier persons. In the villages, you would find the poor set of persons. It, it tends to be obscure. So I want you to, to just, just think about that this morning. Cities, w- wealthy, bigger, more developed. Villages, poor, obscure. All right? What do you, when you think of that now, do you see Jesus' passion? Because it means he was not... He went everywhere, cities and villages. He was sparing none. This indicates how passionate he was and the extent, the degree to which he, he wanted to reach the lost. My question to Kingdom Life this morning is, what is the extent to which we are going? to reach the loss this morning. What is the extent? I want you to mull a little bit over that this morning. I want to share another quote this morning. Uh, This one is, is from John Stott. And he says, Why is it that some Christians cross land and sea, continents and cultures as missionaries? What on earth impels them? It is not in order to commend a civilization, an institution, or an ideology, but rather a person, Jesus Christ, whom they believe to be unique. You see, that's the reason why we do this. We do this so that the lamb who was slain may receive the reward of his suffering. We do this because of Jesus 
Jesus Christ. This is the reason why. This is the reason why my wife Sarah and I, I remember we were in Greece. And they were detaining a couple of us just because we wanted to give, give, give people Bibles. Because the Greek Orthodox priest thought, well, I am the one who, who should teach them the word. No one else must be teaching the word. No one else must be giving out Bibles. So they had some police officers who carried a couple of us. Well, I wasn't in, in that group and detained us. And then when they realized that there was no reason for detaining us, that they let us, let us go free. But th- the thing is, <laughs> we do this because of Jesus Christ. But you know, when Jesus left, he did, not, he did not leave us without the comforter. And that is so amazing. I just want to remind us this morning a passage, a very popular passage, especially as, 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 charma- as char- charismatics this morning, or continuationists as we would say. It says in Acts 1 verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, this morning I have to, I have to challenge us this morning. I have to challenge us to, to be mindful. To be mindful of what Jesus has done and so we must go. As we think of the fact that Jesus went throughout the cities and the villages, and as we think of his passion and, 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 and just how that led him to go to these different places, I also want us not to miss something here this morning. Jesus went to the synagogues. But you said, but Shalom, Jesus was a Jew. So obviously he would go to the synagogue. And I said, oh, yes. But let me just try to, to, to let you think of something here this morning. So yes, Jesus was sent to the lost sheep of Israel, as Matthew 15:24 says. And we know that his priority first was to the, to the Jews. And you know, as he, as he had you know, that famous um, discourse between Jesus and this lady, and you know, she's telling him, you know, it, you know, Lord, you know, she wants to be healed and healing the children's bread and that whole discourse and Jesus was pretty much just telling her, listen, I was really sent to the Jews. You know, my, my priority is to the Jews, right? Um, but I want you to just think of something here. As Jesus is in the synagogues, who do you think is in the synagogues? Aren't there Pharisees and scribes as well? Yes. You can expect opposition so he went, he's going throughout the, the cities and the villages, he's in the synagogues, which is, which is an avenue to share the gospel at that time, because they, at that time they would share in the, in, in the synagogues. But there was also perse- there was, there, there was the, the opportunity to be opposed, to, to receive persecution as they share in these synagogues. Especially because the Pharisees and the scribes, they never, they never really liked some of the things that Jesus was saying. Isn't that true? Yes. Another question to you this morning. Will you share, even if you will be persecuted, reviled, 
or derailed for it? Will you? Will you? This is just a side note because I know some persons might say, but Sheldon, you just told me that Jesus' first priority was to um, to go to the Jews. And I would just, just, just as a side note, I don't want us to spend too long thinking on this. But I would say, you know, by extension, the church through the apostles went to the Gentiles after Jesus' earthly ministry. Um, this was followed um, even by the Apostle Paul. Even though the Apostle Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, if you look at Romans 1.16, you would recognize that he talked about to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. So, so the thing is, I, I, I had to say that because I, I want us to recognize that the, the idea was always to reach everyone. Even though they started with the Jew first, the, the idea was always to, 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 um, to widen the group to include the Gentiles. I, I'm hoping that that's clear. Right? My third point, I'm still along th- this idea of gospel passion. A third point. Jesus' passion compelled him to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. I know some of you would say, but Shalon, I am not a preacher. But can you at least share your testimony of how you came to faith? Can you? Can you instruct others as to this great salvation for which you have become a beneficiary? Can you? Yes. And Jesus passionately told individuals about the gospel. The gospel is the good news. But this good news of the kingdom would only have relevance, significance, if you first, I want you to hear this now, if you understood the bad news first. And one of the re- and the bad news is our sinful state. You know, this morning we could sing the songs that we sang because we, we recognize what, what Adam has done. And because of Adam and that sinful nature which we all, you know, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. But because of that and because of the separation which sin has, has brought upon us, we, this morning we can rejoice that, that God has done this great work and that, that there is good news. We, I, we read earlier about this ministry of reconciliation. So therefore, there is a work where we have been reconciled. So where we were first at odds, there is no reconciliation. This, this is amazing. This is why the gospel is good news. It is good news. But I want us here this morning to recognize that we have a responsibility to proclaim this good news. Let it not be that because we're not preachers this morning that we say we can't proclaim it. Far be it. We all should be able to, to give an account for, the, the, for this Jesus who has saved us this morning. We, we should. 
my fourth point here this morning. Jesus' passion led him to heal. Let me just turn back to this passage here. It says in verse 35, and I'll just read it. It says, And healing every disease and every affliction. Jesus' passion led him to heal all who were diseased and afflicted. You know, Jesus was traveling through that Galilean area there, that geographical area. And we know one of the reasons why Jesus performed miracles was to authenticate, to say, listen, I'm God. Simple. That was one of the, the reasons, right? But one of the other things that we need to remember is that Jesus was also someone who he was good he was full of passion he saw the persons he was he was he was quite aware of the need this morning are you aware of the need you realize how many questions i'm asking this morning i want us to think on this are you aware of the need of healing for your brothers and sisters this morning. I know. Let me say this again. I know some of you may say this morning, I, I'm not a healer. Some of you may say, you know what? I don't have the gift of healing. But can you pray? Can you pray that someone be healed? Maybe there are persons who uh, are broken-hearted this morning. They are going through challenges. Can can you pray? Can you? Can you be a means of support for people who are experiencing hurt this morning? Because in that process, you're agents of healing. Can you? You know, we've, we've, we've just examined gospel mission, one. Gospel passion. I just want to go to my last point here this morning. It's gospel compassion. So we've looked at gospel mission, gospel passion, and now gospel compassion. As we look, let me go back to this verse. In verse 36, let's, just, let's, let's look on it. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. The first thing I want to say this morning is Jesus' compassion was demonstrated in that he perceived. He saw the crowds. Have you ever felt like people are not seeing you? Have you ever felt that way? Like, I am here, but they're not really seeing me. Do you, uh, do you understand what I'm saying? Have you ever felt like you're not being seen this morning? Yes? But Jesus saw them. He really saw them. Are you looking for God given opportunity this morning to serve people? Are you? 
we need to grow in tender compassion. I want, I, I want to use a, a very um, controversial topic today. Let me use this one. We need to grow in tender compassion even in some areas. For instance, how do we treat persons struggling with homosexuality? How do we? Can the gospel be considered good news to the homosexual? Can it? We will maintain that engaging in homosexuality, that lifestyle is sinful. We will. And we will in no way compromise. But what I'm saying is, but can we show tender compassion to them? Can we? We should be able to. The gospel should be good news for everyone. Shouldn't it? You know, we have to recognize our prejudices. We have to. We have to. You know, if this morning, suppose some, the door uh, is swung open right now and someone off the street comes inside and he sits right here. This person is destitute. He probably is not well-dressed, probably smells really bad, and everyone, you can just smell the stench just all over. How would we treat that person? Would we treat that person less than the person to your right who has on this wonderful cologne, who is well-dressed? We have prejudices, you know, in the church. We do. But this morning, Jesus has demonstrated that he looked and he saw the crowds. He saw them. Compassion. Amazing. I love Jesus. I love him. <laughs> I do. Anyway, my second point. I need to finish. Jesus' compassion was not limited to him only seeing the crowds. You know, Jesus was able to, he looked and he, he says, they were harassed. Um, in verse, we're still in verse 36. He says, they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know, the, the idea concerning this verse, is that the sheep they would throw themselves down because of weariness. But this is, this is an analogy here, so let me try to give you an, an idea of what was happening. The people at that time, they were burdened. You know why they were burdened? Because the Pharisees and the scribes, they were putting all type of things on the people. They were telling them about Sabbaths and fasts and traditions. So it, it was hard. It was really hard. And they weren't caring for them. So can you just imagine that situation? You're not getting the care that you need. Oh, something needs to be adjusted. The other one. They weren't getting the care that they needed, but all of these things were thrown at them. I don't know if anyone here has ever um, researched sheep. A sheep, by far, is one of the most helpless animals you'd ever find. Helpless. You know, just 
when was it? Since I've been here in, in the Bahamas, uh, two days ago I, I was driving with Pastor Cedric and I heard someone talking about sheep and I was smiling. I was like, God, you, you know, you're just too cool. You know. And the person was saying, if a sheep falls on his back, simple as this, you know, if he falls on his back and there is no one there to help him, the sheep will die. And I was like, that cannot be true. It's true. I, I cannot believe a sheep is so helpless. But all the studies have said that sheep is one of the most helpless animals you'll ever find. Sheep need protection. Sheep need a shepherd. Sinners are like sheep. They need guidance. This morning, no, I know, I know in the context of, I know Jesus calls us his sheep. And he guides us. But what I'm trying to say this morning too is, uh, when I say sinners are like sheep, what I, what I mean is, we who, can, can you think of yourself as a shepherd here this morning? This morning I've, I've encouraged you to think of yourself as a, the person who's proclaiming the, the gospel. I told you to think of yourself as the person who could administrate healing. And hear what I'm saying to you this morning. Could you think of yourself as a shepherd here this morning? Someone who sees sheep. And you should give them guidance. I'm challenging you, challenging you here this morning. Can you decide to, to give guidance to individuals who are seeking truth this morning? Can you? I believe so. Jesus' heart gave out because the people like sheep did not recognize their spiritual condition. His heart gave out. You know, in the Greek, the word pity and sympathy and all these things, it, it, it doesn't fully conjure what, what, it, was, what it, it meant in the original um, language. Let me put it that way. The best way to say it is his heart gave out. Jesus looked and his heart gave out when he saw that these sheep didn't have a shepherd. And they were being harassed. They were helpless. Wow. Wow. Thirdly, Jesus' compassion was shown in his request of prayer. Let's, let's go to verse 38. We could, well, I guess we could still look in verse 37 into 38. It says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You know, the word send, ekbalo. You know, sometimes when we hear the word send, we just think, oh, send. But the word really means to be thrust forth. Thrust forth. That's my desire this morning. I pray that God would thrust you forth into the field. That people would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because of you this morning. When I say you, I'm speaking to every single person here, no matter how young you are or how old you think you are. 
Jesus encouraged us to pray earnestly. To pray earnestly. Don't you think it will take time and dedication and discipline to do something like that? Yes. You know, Jesus had all night prayer meetings with himself. Well, I, I guess with God, the Father, and the, the, the Holy Spirit. But when I say with himself, you know what I mean. He was all alone having all night prayer meetings. Wow. Jesus believed in prayer. I want to share a, another quote with you this morning. It's by Roderick Davis. I hope, I hope that this quote will be meaningful, even as I've tried this morning to share some, just some things with you here this morning. It says, Love is the root of missions. Sacrifice is the fruit of missions. Love is the root of missions. I've said this several times from today. The reason why we can do missions is out of love. But it will cost us. It will. There is a sacrifice. There is a sacrifice. You know, Jesus wanted more persons to be involved in missions. He encouraged them to pray. You know, as I reflected on this passage, I smiled when I looked at the verse right after verse 38. You know what it is? It's chapter 10, verse 1. You know what Jesus did? You think it's coincidental? He appointed 12 apostles and sent them out. As I close this morning you know I that was a very I would say not conventional way to um, go about this morning in the midst of my sermon to show a video but you know as I as I pray and as I you know I thought about what I was sharing this morning I really felt like the, the Holy Spirit just impressed upon me to let you actually see the need that is out there. You know, we've been talking ab- this morning, we've been talking about mission, we've been talking about passion and compassion, and I just pray that the Holy Spirit would have just done something to us as a church this morning. As we looked at the, the, the statistics, as we uh, learned some new things about the people groups this morning, As as I close, I don't want it to just be about what we observed in the scriptures and and how we can probably interpret it in a in some way. I want us to leave this place this morning, feeling that God has challenged us to do something. So I have some questions for us this morning, and then we close. Can I just ask you to do something for me? I, I know this might be strange, but could you just close your eyes? We're not praying, but I just I don't want any distractions. I just want to ask some questions, and I want you to just 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 think on this. What is God saying to your heart about missions today? Has God given you a greater appreciation for foreign and local missions? Do you see the importance of overseas missions 
Are you consistently sharing the love of Christ within your personal or your individual mission, your God-given mission field? Whether you're in high school, university, whether you're working, you're unemployed, you're retired, do you feel like God has challenged you this morning to, to recognize your mission field? You could be an artist this morning, an entertainer, a banker, a teacher, a stay-at-home mom, a politician, a police officer, a church worker. Do you recognize your mission field? Are you intentional with your evangelism and your discipleship? This morning, God isn't calling us to make converts per se, but disciples. Are you shepherding the sheep, the flock this morning? Do you make it a point of duty for persons to feel like they are seen or heard? It could be at church, it could be at work, it could be at school, so forth. Are you making the time in your busy schedule to accommodate people? Have you ever considered discipling someone? Maybe as both of you shop at the supermarket or maybe while you're jogging or walking in the park or even at the gym. Do you sense that God is challenging you this morning concerning maybe your prejudices or ways that you've been partial? Is there some ways or some measures you feel that God um, may help you to overcome this? You know, as we affirm the Reformed faith, the tradition, we we rightly view evangelism this morning as a God-ordained means to which he, he uses to empower the whole process of election for salvation. But my question this morning is, are you going? We do know that God has elected. Therefore, are we challenge to to speak to everyone to have the heart like God who says he wishes that none would perish ask yourself this morning where are you going to share your faith Jesus went among fishermen and called them to be fishers of men when he was with the woman at the well he said I'll make rivers of living waters come from you This morning, do you offer prayer for individuals who need healing? Can you personally say like the Apostle Paul this morning, I have become all things to all people that by all means I may save some. There may be some of you here today who say, you know, I've I've lost my passion for missions. Some may say, I've never had it in the first place. And I would want to pray with you this morning. There may be some who said, I don't, I don't think I am compassionate enough then. I would love to, to pray with you this morning. I'd love to pray that you would regain or even receive a new passion for mission and compassion for people. Romans ten fourteen to 15 says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? 
How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. This morning I just want to say the gospel not only saves us and keeps us, but we are called to constantly reflect and behold Christ, to daily become more like Him. And in, in, that, in, that, in that order, we are called to do missions. Would you pray to the Lord of Harvest today for laborers? As all believers are commanded to do missions, they're also called to be passionate about missions. Could, you, could we just stand and, uh, as I pray this morning? Hallelujah. Dear Lord, I just thank you this morning. Lord Jesus, that you came. You died. You were buried. Lord, you raised from the dead and you ascended to... You ascended on high. And you're seated at the right hand of God the Father this morning. Lord, I pray this morning, even as we've been talking about you, Lord Jesus, and just how passionate you were, how, and how you were filled uh, with compassion, how you were focused on the mission to which you were sent. That, Lord, if there are persons here this morning who, who don't know you, Lord, that they would come to recognize this God who is good and he has given all, he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. I pray, Lord, that you would have encouraged your people this morning. Lord, just have your way this morning. Have your way, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.